Hey everyone, and welcome to Conviction, where we feel a conviction to discuss questions and topics surrounding church culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. If you haven't been with us before, my name is Caleb. And my name is Parker. And today we're going to be having a conversation that is going to be based around the question, why is burnout a thing in the church? And so to have this conversation kicked off, just as a reminder, that's our starting place. We'll see where the conversation goes. We hope it's beneficial. But why is burnout a thing in the church? Parker, you had kind of posed this question. What brought it about for you? What's kind of kicking this conversation off? Yeah, I think it's just like, um, for me, it's just been something that if you've ever served regularly in a church or anything like that, you've, chances are you've come across that term before. Um, and on the off chance you haven't, um, heard that term before, it's basically saying people who've served so much that they basically feel burnt out and they feel tired of it. Basically, would you, would you add any more definition to that other than that? Yeah. I mean, I would just say it's people getting to the end of themselves or actually yeah. I'd probably say the perceived end of themselves. Cause yeah. part of talking through this, I think is going to be discussing what is burnout and yeah. what is, people not having a good understanding of what being tired is like not in a bad way. But also the one thing I would add to this is that in this conversation within the church, there's obviously burnout on the volunteer front, but there's also a burnout that happens just within vocational ministers. Totally. And that's sort of a thing where you end up having, I think pastors and preachers and worship pastors in any capacity within the church where people just get to a spot where they're just like, I I'm at the end of myself. I'm kind of done with this. I'm through this. Um, But yeah, overall burnout, it's people getting to this spot where they're just like, I can't do this anymore. Like if they were a match, they've gotten to the end of the match and they feel like they no longer can go any further. Totally. So I think for me, it's just something that I've heard brought up multiple times. And uh, for me, like I have uh, an agreement with our worship pastor, Danny Butcher, where I, I serve pretty regularly on the worship team and I serve probably I I have a, a week off every four to five weeks, I would say. Um, and that's, that's like, that's, I, I volunteered to do that. Like that's a rate that I have chosen to do. Um, but we have an agreement that I, I told Danny that like, if I ever feel like I'm starting to get to that point that I'll tell him. Totally. And I have said that and like, he doesn't have to worry about me. Um, like just pushing myself past that. Cause I'm just somebody who will just say no, if I can't totally. So, um, anyway, so that being said, that's just, it's just something that I've always thought about. And it's just kind of a, a thing where I, I just question like, and granted, I'm coming from the perspective mostly from the volunteer. Maybe you can speak a little bit more to the perspective of people who are um, on staff, who are pastors. Um, but from my perspective, I just, I understand being bored of something. If it's something you've been doing a long time. I don't I, I personally have never experience burnout to the point that I felt like I couldn't continue anymore. And so for me, it's not that I'm necessarily doubting what people say, but I don't know. I guess I just question how much of it is just, you know, is burnout, is burnout something we should push through is burnout something that we should take, take breaks from. 
you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Totally. I mean, this is something I've wrestled with, like for myself, um, a little bit of my story and I work within the church. Um, I'm a vocational minister, whatever that, whatever that carries for weight for you. Um, but I felt called to ministry, like that sort of a thing when I was six years old. And so when I felt called to ministry and maybe we could talk through the idea of calling one day, but, um, when I felt called to ministry, when I was six, I didn't know what that was going to fully mean, what it was going to look like. Even though I wasn't living for Jesus, I, I had this innate desire of like, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to work within a church. I'm supposed to help people, that kind of a kind of a sentiment, even when I wasn't being good to people um, at some points in high school and stuff like that. And so now there's a reality for me, like when I think about burnout, like a part of it, you kind of mentioned the one word, like kind of we get bored with things, stuff like that. I think that is a reality to it. Like there's this daunting reality, I think sometimes though, for ministers who are wanting to take it vocationally and also for like very, very committed volunteers who are like, hey, this is a part of who I am. I'm not doing it vocationally, but I'm going to serve in a youth ministry until the day I die. I'm going to be a part of a worship team until, you know, I can't play any longer, that sort of a thing. Like there's definitely people who get to that same point. Now, a part of it, this is this really weird weight to have to deal with is like, there's a potential for me. I will never work in a context outside of the church in my life. And that's a weird tension to have to deal with at times. Yeah, Like I have different aspirations for different things that I would love to pursue, but I don't. Now, some people might say, well, you should do that. Like it's your thing to do. It's like, well, no, like I have this innate desire that I feel like the Lord's asked me to do something. And a part of that means me laying down some of my desire then to fulfill what he is leading me to. And actually my prayer then um, in alignment with scripture is God, like make my desires yours. Like, yes, Lord, like you'll bring about the desire of my heart, but my heart needs to look like yours. So ultimately I want what you desire for me. And so the reason why I'm saying this is I think there's times within ministry and things like that whether vocationally or at a high level of volunteering, which honestly, hopefully everybody's at a high level of volunteering. Like this is serving in the church. Shouldn't just be community service hours. Like you're helping build the kingdom of God. Like there is a weight to that, that in the 21st century, we do not care as much about. I think like we are talking in um, a class that I'm in right now. We were talking about the late, mid 1800s with like some of the holiness movement stuff, which basically long story short was, um, kind of born out of like John Wesley and a lot of his revival work and this sort of a thing. But the, the reason why I mention it is because these people had such a desire to live lives that were set apart and it kind of started to become like works-based faith and it started to have some caveats to it that were not so healthy and not so good. But the innate desire was God we're here for one life. We want to make it all focused on you. And nowadays, I think there's times we approach faith like, God, I want my life to be centered around you, which means I need to be living my best life. And like, God cares about us, but we need to care a whole lot more about the mission of God than we do about the mission of my life, you know, and my own desire, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So I think that, and let we can keep keep piggybacking on this a bit. Like that is part of what I think causes burnout is that we don't have that paradigm. Now, here's the reality also for me. I have gotten super close to burnout probably three times already. Um, you know, I had a six-month period of time 
uh, towards the start of kind of like the pandemic, all these things where I just like for six months every day was like, I might need to walk away from this. And I was just getting so worn out and so drained and so tired. And like, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to enter this conversation making it sound like I don't have sympathy for people who burn out. But the only thing that helped me press on was I just said, Jesus, it has to matter. So I'll keep doing it. And through that, I've gotten back to a spot where I've seen God you are doing things and using things and you're using those moments to see things take place. And it took me holding on when I could have quit and everyone would have understood and I would have missed out on what we're seeing happen now. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think burnout, yeah, is just us maybe losing sight of the mission. Yeah. In terms of like, when you say the paradigm, you mean the paradigm of like that the mission is, is, is after other people is kind of what you're saying. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. If okay. you're if you're a believer in Jesus, yeah. You're I good. Agree. I completely agree. I feel like I feel like again, I'm not necessarily trying to put down like people who actually do experience this because it sucks. But like I I feel like I feel like you're right. I feel like some of it somewhat stems from a perspective of and I I've I've caught myself in this multiple times where like I start to get so focused, like I, it's under the guise of that. I'm focusing on my relationship with God, which sounds right in your head, but like I've come to realize multiple times and had to check myself multiple times is that like the, and I don't know, like I, I would think that like the point of me being a Christian and the point of me pursuing after God is to have a relationship with him which is part of it. I'm not saying that isn't part of it. But the other part of it is, is that if we are in relationship with God and we're pursuing after God's heart, you realize that God's heart is after other people, that his heart is after the one, the lost one, the lost sheep. And so in so doing that, if, if you're aligning your heart with God, what if you're aligning your heart with what God wants, it's after other people. It's not necessarily after your own specific relationship. Not that there shouldn't be any importance on that at all. That should, there should be a great importance put on that and significance put on that. But understanding that the other half or I don't even the other hundred percent, whatever is after other people. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think a lot of people have personalized faith to a spot where they don't see the need for those around them within it. And like the reason why I mentioned that within this conversation is like, if we see faith as a purely personal relationship, like, um, you know, there, there's songs that, and I understand the sentiment, but you know, there's different songs that might say things within worship that are like, Hey, I'm tearing down the walls of religion. I'm tearing these things down because I just want Jesus. I just don't want relationship. I just want this innately. You are creating a religion. Then, <laughs> Like you still are in a religious structure. Religion innately is not a bad thing. We can make religion into a bad thing. Like if we create it into a wrong structure, but like following Jesus and serving him, there's a set of practices or things like that. And within that practice is a call to community and having people around you. And so I think that's where it's interesting where you'll have people start to feel burnt out. And instead of feeling a desire to place themselves within the body of Christ so that they can be attended to, they feel a need to remove themselves from the body of Christ. Um, 
you know, a thought that I've been, it's not a new thought by any means. Other pastors have said this, but I've been wrestling with a bit lately has been the idea of the body of Christ. If we imagine as a physical representation of a body, when a body part is injured, you compensate for it. And it's actually that you will be straining another part of the body to help make sure that part of the body can heal. Like, for example, it'd be like a leg. Like if somebody breaks their leg and they're on crutches, the arms are doing more work and then the other leg is compensating. And like you're having all this stuff happen because there's strain on the body to get this part back to health. And you end up having it where these people, I don't say these people dismissively, but you'll have people who will feel burnout and they will start to feel like they're just tired and worn and they'll say, I need to get better. And they innately then go to themselves when yeah. that's almost as if you're performing an amputation and you're looking at a leg that was broken that you then cut off of the body because it was like, oh, I need to not have this broken leg on me anymore. And you like point at the leg and you say, get better now. But it can't because it's not connected to the body that was supposed to help give it the nutrients and all these things. Right. And so I wonder if a reason then why we have burnout within the church is we don't have good systems. Like like you and Danny, you have this communication cycle where you're able to reach out and you're able to say, hey, I can't do it. Like I need some time off. Hey, I can only do two weeks this month. Like whenever that may happen or if that has to happen. But you know that that isn't you saying – I can never do worship for six months now because I'm just so out of it and I have yeah. to be away from you. Um, and so I wonder how we could go about creating better structures. But like one aspect of this I will throw out there that I think is a good footnote maybe to have present within this conversation is there are times that you have unhealthy church contexts that create burnout and it is because the church community chose to burn a person out. And that is very different. You know, like there is an aspect of where you could have somebody in a healthy context and they're serving regularly, doing all these things and then life just happens and they remove themselves. That is not a healthy response. Now, if you are a part of a cancerous body, yes, it's good for you to remove yourself from that. Like there's, um, I, I could list off a handful of them, a handful of pastors that I know who have been present within unhealthy church communities and they are getting tired of ministry. And it's because in some ways they are being burnt out by an unhealthy culture, an unhealthy leader in an unhealthy community. And so they probably do need to step out and have some time away from it so that they can heal, not be bitter and step back in. But it has to be only for a period of time. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to ask you and it, you kind of started going into it already is like how much of the feeling of burnout or avoiding burnout where how much of that responsibility lies on the individual versus the church? Totally. I think more needs to be on the individual than we assume right now. Yeah. But the church still very much so has to be aware. So like I would say within a community of people, there should be a system that helps allow it. Like for True Life, um, the youth ministry that we're both a part of and the youth ministry I'm a youth pastor at, we have a policy for our leaders where basically I've told them like, tell your consistency. So like if somebody's like, hey, um, I can't be there for a month. Like we have uh, somebody that's on our leader team, they're firefighter. And so it's fire season, wildfire season. So he can't be there for about three months. He's just like, hey, I can't be there for three months. Hey, let your boys know, tell them, make sure that they're aware and we're good. 
Tell me what you need. And we've had leaders that have reached out before and they're like, hey, I need a couple weeks off. Hey, I have this coming up. And that flow of communication has allowed there to be a system where if somebody came to me and just said, I'm done as of today, like I'm just worn out, I can identify, and maybe I missed something, but I can identify that most likely there was something on their end that was not being communicated where there wasn't able to be healthy processing then within the community. And they're now just kind of in like desperation mode of, I need to figure something out within this so I can try to get better. And so I would say the church's job is create the system that allows somebody to have the space if needed, but that where you can be that assistance, you can be that, you know, that other leg, that set of crutches that's going to help them get down the line, that sort of a thing. But for the individual, man, like people got to care a bit more about being committed to community. Now, again, I don't need to probably preface this, but I just will. We're not talking about abusive church systems. We're not talking about if somebody had a leader like misuse their commitment and overextend them and things like that. So we're not talking about somebody who had a bad system that was toxic for them. Talking about somebody who's in a good system, things like that. But they just like up and say like, I'm burnt out. I can't do it. I served for one hour a week for five weeks in a row man, I'm just burnt out. No, you just, you just wanted yeah. more time. You wanted more free time and just admit it. Like, just say that's kind of what it is probably. Yeah. And like, that's, that's kind of where like some of the question for me stem from is like, like it's literally for most people who like, let's say a standard, I don't even know if it's standard, but I would say most churches have at least two services. The average church has at least two services. I would guess like, for most people, they are serving volunteers are serving one service per Sunday, which is about an hour. Yep. It's an hour of volunteer time a week, which, so for me, it, I just have, I just kind of have a hard time understanding it to be honest with you. Cause it's just like, like, I, I don't know. I like, I feel like on one hand people are, people are really bad about taking care of themselves in general. And I think a lot of people, I don't even know, it might be just, it may be a Pacific Northwest or Northwest thing. I don't know for sure. But like, it seems to me that people have a bad habit of overworking themselves and not paying attention to how they're doing. And in that they just get to that point of desperation, like what you were saying. And then, um, and then they, they, they burn out. Totally. I mean, I think, I mean, I've thought this for a couple of years now. And again, I am not perfect at it. People will often comment and joke and slightly be serious that I don't take enough time off or like, I don't necessarily take time to rest enough and things like that. And I've had to be aware of not wearing that as like this, like weird kind of badge of honor of like, look at me, like, I work a lot, like that sort of a thing. Now, the other reality is there is a lot of people that don't don't realize how much they could work, like if that makes sense. And yeah. a part of that is within our church context and things like that. Like, you know, like Parker, for yourself, you do worship, but you also work and serve as a life leader within the youth ministry, which is a probably the yeah, I'd probably say you're serving in the two biggest commitments you could make within our church to serve. Like youth is a twice a week, multi-hour commitment, multiple times a week, year round with maybe three weeks off 
two for Christmas, one if you're not going to one of the camps, two if you're not going to one of the camps, um, to both the camps. And so like, that's a big commitment. And then worship team, that's a big commitment as well. And so within that though, like there's an aspect of acknowledging like these matter, there's a purpose to them, there's worth to it. And I think a part of that too is us having to recognize and realize like, you know, oftentimes people might complain about their church, right? They'll be like, ah, I don't like this. I don't like this part of it. I, I don't, I don't see why we would do this this way. Be the person to help solve the problem then. Like if somebody's a parent and now again, there can be bad church systems that do not listen and don't help things like that. That's totally a reality. But if you're in a good system, that's what we're assuming. And you look and you say, I don't like our, our kids program. I don't like our kids church things. I don't like this sort of a stuff. Serve in your kids ministry, serve in it, be a part of it. Don't just go one day when you saw the person, like your kid's pastor might have a bad day. They might, your youth pastor, myself might have a bad day and you might show up and you might have a time where you look and you say, I wouldn't have said it that way. They might not get it right 52 out of 52 weeks a year, but if you're there, you could see that, oh wow, they got it right four out of five weeks. That's really good. Like, and I'm not saying drastic things. I'm just saying like, you know, little stuff, but like with that, People will look to those things and they will say that's somebody else's problem to solve. Why? Because church is for me to consume. But then they start to serve because they end up having it where they heard that one message and it placed upon their heart a conviction, a reality that they were not doing all they could within their community. And so they said, I'm going to start to serve. And they start to serve. Why? Not always. And again, this is a little harsh. Not always because they truly cared about the need, but because they did not want to feel bad. So they start to serve, but then serving starts to get difficult. And you know what? They're starting to feel bad in a different way. So what do they do? They stop serving because they don't want to feel tired. They don't want to deal with that kid that was yelling. They don't want to deal with the thing where they had to get up a little earlier to be there to serve. They didn't want to do a task that was beneath them or that sort of a thing. And it's like this moment of realization of like, why are you serving? I think ultimately, I think that's a huge reason why burnout happens. People lose sight for why they're doing it. I was telling Sierra the other day, and again, I wouldn't say I'm in like a volunteer role, but like ultimately like with being the youth pastor, I've had times I like get done with a Wednesday night and I look and I'm just like, that was great. I saw kids respond. I saw leaders respond. We had amazing times of prayer, things like that. It's like, this was great. And then I get in the car and I'm driving home and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, what are we doing? Like, there's almost like this moment in my head. that's like, why do I do this? Like, why are we having this happen? And like, you know, almost realizing that moment, it's like, God, you could use anybody. Why am I doing this? And then it's like, just having to remember, it's like, cause it matters. Like right. God, it's cause it matters. And I might be tired. I might be worn out. Like this week. Uh, and I just use myself as an example, not to prop myself up, but because I'm the only example I can truly use and know how I think about it. Like this week I'm in a, a class where I'm going to have eight hour lectures and stuff like that. Wednesday night, we have a worship night, prayer and worship night. Um, I'm going to be driving from the school. It'll be like an hour or so to get there, get there. Going to probably be getting out of the car and walking in to the worship night to be able to help lead within it and pray over people and have moments within that. And I'm doing it not because I want to even on a human level, but because I know that spiritually it matters to be with our community and to serve people. And so like, ultimately, how do you curb burnout? You say what you're doing really matters and you make sure it's healthy. Yeah. And I think another part of it too, is I wonder how many people who serve, they, 
and maybe some of them are like what you were saying are just because they don't want to feel bad. But another part of it might just be that they know that there's a need, but then they just pick one mm. and they just pick a spot, which props to you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I think, especially when you first start serving, like if you're somebody who's been serving for forever, like this may be a different story, but, um, but for me, so like for my example, I, I do volunteer quite a bit. I, I, that's just something that my family, family has always valued. And that from ever since I was of serving age, like you used it, to do in, coffee. I did used to do coffee. I used to volunteer in the nursery. Occasionally I used to volunteer in the kids section occasionally and various things. I used to be an usher, uh, like for me, for our family, as soon as I was like of the age that I was allowed to be a volunteer in things, we had to serve at least one service that that was just a rule in our family, whatever that was, we got to choose. But like, and so, and some of those jobs I didn't really like, you know, that, and there's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Cause there's, there's still a need that needs to be filled. But at this point where I'm at, I've sought after and prayed where, where should I be serving? Where could God best use me in terms of what my community needs and what I'm a part of? And so for me, those two areas are true life in the youth service and worship. Those are two areas that I genuinely at the end of, I'm not tired of. I'm not, I'm not worn out. Maybe I'm tired, but that's just like my normal, like antisocial self that I, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of socializing, but that's not necessarily what, what I imagine like burnout to be. Totally. So I think part of it is, um, people who are just filling a spot. Um, and I wonder how much of that, I mean, it's, it's kind of stereotypical, but like, it's very similar to how, like some people talk about, like, if you choose the wrong job. You know what I mean? It could just be like, you you know, you just got a job because you need a job. There's nothing wrong with that. But you never like took the time to seek out what would be your best job and would be a fulfilling job for you in the future. And then so there, then there's people who just do that job for a long time. And then it gets to the point that not that they can't switch, but they'd have to make a big leap. If they did not that this is the exact same thing, but I wonder how much, like how many people they just fill a spot and they don't take the time while they're in that spot to figure out what it is they're actually passionate about, you know? So, um, yeah, totally. Well, even like, I think there are times and again, there's drastic moments of burnout where people have just been unhealthy, not taking care of themselves, but like, in the small areas where people are just like, I'm just burning. I remember I got to, when I got to college, uh, there were some people I got together with from time to time, just different people that were underclassmen, stuff like that. So I guess it was after I'd been at college for a while and they would be asking me like, you know, Hey, what are some tips you have? What are some recommendations you have? And things like that. And I would just be like, get plugged into a church. And I had a couple of people that looked at me and they're like, Oh, well, like, you know, I've, I've been in church my whole life, you know, like they're like 18, 19 years old. I've been in church my whole life. And they're like, uh, I was really plugged in my youth ministry. And they're like, so I'm taking this year just to really work on myself. And it's like, that's cool. Get into a church, like get into a church and set a time limit 
for how many weeks you have until you need to be serving. Because the reality is you just won't. You just won't. And then you start to, and then people ultimately like, again, this is where I think a lot of people also don't realize how valuable they are. Like, like there's this awesome, uh, quote that I heard from a pastor and he was just talking about how, uh, his wife, it was a quote, I guess from his wife actually had looked at him after a service when he thought he messed up and all this stuff. And, uh, she looked and he was like, he kind of felt like the whole weight of the world was upon his shoulders. He just messed everything up for the church. And she looked and said, Hey, you're important. But you're not that important. Like the Holy Spirit will still move. Yeah. Jesus is still at work, all that stuff. But man, there's a whole lot of people that don't think they matter at all. Totally. Like they don't think that their work with their hands and feet and their voices of encouragement, like they don't think that it's going to have any value. But like it has a value. And the way that you honestly are able to get to a spot of burnout, which is a spot of starting to not recognize why your value is going to pour into someone else, your purpose is going to help someone else, is when you don't value yourself enough. You don't realize what you're bringing to the table. And like that I also think is a true depiction of when do you actually need to step away. Like if somebody like like Parker, if you came up to me and you said, hey, I need to step down. I have to be out of this. Please don't do that anytime soon. But if you did, like you're like, hey, I can't serve in youth anymore, all this stuff. I know that you know that you bring value to the youth ministry, that you pour value into the people. And if you don't know that, know that. Like, But there's a reality that then if you came to me and said that, I'd be like, oh, dude, this is a big deal. He needs space. He needs time. Like, This is a thoughtful decision being made. But like, when you have people that are just like, ah, on a one-week notice, I'm going to try something else out. It's just like you don't realize that you showing up is helping shape this community. Like even with, uh, this is a different example, but I think it kind of hits again, this, this premise of like, we don't realize what we bring to the table really well is like our church is starting to do, uh, a prayer night, 6 PM on Sunday evenings, a time of prayer. And, uh, me and Sierra, so it's probably happened now seven times. I think we've made it to three of them and we're trying to make a commitment over the summer that we're going to make it to, um, hopefully every single one, unless there's like a family engagement that somehow like gets in the way. Uh, those are not equally attended compared to our Sunday morning gathering. And a reason is, I think a lot of people don't realize the value of them being present in prayer, which is a way of serving, interceding and praying on behalf of others in a city and like all of these different things. There's a weight to that. And people don't always realize like, oh, me giving up my hour at home at night. And yes, it might be one of the few hours where you get to sit on the couch and just chill. Like that trade-off is not going to have an intrinsic value for the other, but it will. It does. Like the other night, me and Sierra um, had to miss it. And like, again, I, I have struggles at times with like saying no to church stuff. And so like I was sitting there and I was literally like, I was like, we just got done with my parents and the dog. We just got a puppy. I was like, we got to get the dog home because it's been out too long and we got to be able to help care for it, get it dinner, all this stuff. But in my head, I was like, but we should go and try to pray because I was like, there's a value to that. And finally got to a spot where it was like, okay, we can miss this night. We're going to go next week and all this stuff. But like a lot of people don't even have a moment of wrestling. They're like, if it fits my schedule, like I'll be there. And it's like, you should clear your schedule to be there. Because you bring value to this thing. And that's the same thing again with serving then. That that I think would help the minor burnout that happens be curbed a little bit. Is if people looked and said, 
I see the value I'm bringing to others by being active. Yeah. And I think part of that too is start in some ways with having that healthy community. Cause like for me, like in my case, like, like you said, like I do know that I have value to add. I don't have any credentials necessarily to say that necessarily, but like, I know that I have value one, because I believe that God has gifted us all with natural abilities as well as just like empowering us through the Holy spirit um, to minister to people around us. One, I believe in that. And two, I know that I have value because of like years and years and years of people pouring into me and saying I have value to add. And that like through like slight backstory on me, like, like going and being in the youth ministry at our church and another program called, called Royal Rangers, like multiple people like had to, like, I, I didn't really believe them. Like I would, I would tell them like, no, no, I don't. But it took just like them drilling that into my head of like, no, you have value. It took that for me to really believe it, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. And so I think that like, I think that that's something that as, as congregations, as whole church bodies, as whole communities that we need to be pouring into each other. And I think like it's, it's ideally it's a positive feedback loop of like, if you're in the area of service that you are passionate about Mm -hmm. where you're pouring into other people, they get poured into and then they realize that they have value and they find where they need to serve. And then it it becomes a healthy body. It becomes a healthy functioning body that, you know, that we can minister well. And I think that like realizing too, that, um, that you may not like, you might not reach like a ton of people that doesn't matter. But like for me, like I know in like the, in youth group, for example, I am not the coolest dude on the planet. Like I'm weird. I'm, I was a homeschooler growing up. I have weird quirks. I, I don't play a lot of the same video games. I don't really pay attention to sports much. Like in a lot of ways, I'm not like, you know, I'm not a super interesting. I, I, I guess I'm probably in some ways, interesting and somewhat of a bad way, but, um, but, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of the same things to talk about that a lot of this uh, normal people have. Um, but I know that like my story and my personality could speak to one or two students. Totally. Maybe like, I, I don't know if that's a low number. Maybe that's a high number. I don't know, but I don't care because it's one or two. Yeah. That like my, me being there could have an impact on. Totally. And so even if like, like if I'm not confident that like I made or may not do a good job, that doesn't matter. Cause like, I'm just there for the one or two, you know, if I reach more people then that's fine. But like, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean like that's eternity being shifted. Like that is that one or two represents one or two, which it's more than one or two that you help affect, but even if it's just one or two, that is one or two people eternally present rather than separated from God. Right. And that matters. Yeah. And and I and I'll say this, and that matters more 
than being able to sit on a couch on a Wednesday night and just watch some TV. That value, like that moment, like there's so many moments like I, as, and again, this isn't a belittling comment, but it's just like realize the impact that can happen and and have a trust with us that we're not saying this from a point of trying to coerce you. We don't, you might not even go to our church or anything like that. Like there's no benefit we're getting out of this. Like this is our hope for you and your community is like, you bring a value, you bring a purpose, you bring shift and change that can happen in people's lives. Like you bring joy into rooms and things like that. And like, yeah, you might have it where you go and you serve in your church for years. It could be five years and you could feel like you've seen nothing, but then you have that one kid, that one youth, that one random dude that you've seen every single week and you finally see them break through in their faith and you look and you say those five years were worth it if it cost them an eternity getting to be with the Lord. Like if it cost me five years of investment to see their lives changed forever, that's amazing. And you might've wanted to give up at times, but you might've been the only voice that could help reach them. Now, granted, guess what? Jesus is bigger than you. So maybe you're somebody listening to this and you've already felt burnout and maybe you've already stepped out of areas and things like that. Well, you know, maybe take this as a by chance moment of the Holy Spirit wanting to say, Hey, find a way to get back in, find a way to do more things and that sort of a thing. But also rest in the fact that God still wants to work even when we fail and that sort of a thing. But do realize you have a part to play. Do realize that he's not going to work. Like he works despite us, but he still works through us. Yeah. And that's sort of an ideal. And so, you know, man, I just want to encourage, like if you're somebody listening to this and you're hearing this conversation and maybe you're sitting there and you're just like, you're like, I don't know what to do with this tension or that sort of a thing. Go to the Lord in prayer about it Yeah, and ask him and just say, Jesus, like Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? How can I pour out? How can I serve? And you know what? Maybe it means that you start with once a month. Maybe it means that you find in your church the greatest area of need. Honestly, find the least recognizable area of need if you need to. Maybe it's doing security at your church. Maybe uh, maybe you are at a small church that doesn't have a janitor team or something like that, and you could go and you could help be the janitor for your church. Maybe it is your youth ministry and they need some people to serve and lead and stuff like that. If you're at our church, we would love to have you. Um, maybe it's within a kid's department. Maybe it's on your worship team. Find that area and just start. And as you just start, start to ask yourself, how can I keep pouring out? And if you need to be somebody that's realistic, like maybe you're somebody that looks and says, hey, I struggle with commitment. That's why I say commit to once a month. Start once a month. That's 12 times in a year. There's 365 days. That would make it where you have 353 days left where you're not serving in your church. But if you looked and said, at least once a month, I'm going to serve, guess what? You're going to see that that is sustainable, that it's doable. And then just like in every area of our lives with Jesus, ask how he wants you to stretch yourselves. Ask, Lord, how can I keep pouring out? And if you do it in a healthy matter, in a healthy manner, and you go about it wanting to honor Christ in it, he's going to help you. He's going to give you that strength. He's going to build up that endurance. And so don't fall into a trap of making it unrealistic. Don't fall into a trap also of just saying, I'm just going to serve because the kids ministry needs me. No serve because you have an impactful life that could help change the life of kids. 
Like, don't just serve out of obligation, serve out of purpose. I think that's going to help you. Yeah. Like, for example, like there are some people that I think also one thing is like, you may never see, at least in this lifetime, the impact that you've had. But like one example, like at our church, I've been thinking about this him a lot recently for some reason. I don't really know why. Well, I do, but like one volunteer that we have, I don't know if you've ever met him. Have you ever met Bill Follett? Yeah. Bro, he's been doing check-in at kids since I was in third grade. Amazing guy. I'm 22 right now. He's great. And it's like, it's one of the like most underappreciated jobs. I think it, well, it's like, it's, it's one of those like not noticeable jobs. I think check in kids check in. Um, but like that guy has been there ever since, like I said, I was in third grade, which I'm not going to do that math right now, but, (laughs) um, but I hope that when I grow up one day that I'm a volunteer like Bill Follett. You know, like somebody who's there all and like it's it's obviously something that he is passionate about, I think. Like I don't really know him that well, but the fact that he's did done that so long, he's 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 a good at it. He's awesome with the kids, but he's also like just awesome and super consistent, you know what I mean? So there's just things like that or like small little consistent things that you do that can have an impact. I remember there's one guy this is kind of stepping out of the burnout topic necessarily, but just kind of talking about stories of people that have touched you and stuff. But like, there was this one guy that, um, when I was a kid, when I first started going to main service, uh, at BCA, which I was probably like, I don't know, fifth grade or so is probably when I started attending main service. Um, we sat in the balcony at our church on the second floor. Um, and we sat in the very back row. We all sat as a family. Um, but there was another family right in front of us that was there every week as well. I think they still go to our church. Um, they're a Hispanic family. They probably go to the Spanish service, I think now. But um, but the dad of that family, every single Sunday, whenever he showed up, didn't matter who was there, his kids would be there. But he'd always, like the second he got to his seat, he'd turn around, kneel down in his chair and pray every single Sunday for years, which that's just a little ritual. And I've never talked to the guy, but I hope when I grow up one day and be a dad, I can be a dad like that. Totally. So that being said, little things that you can do that you may never know. Like I still haven't really talked to that guy ever. And I haven't really talked to Bill fall really much about this anyway. Like they don't know that they've impacted me and that I want to be like them when I grow up. You know what I mean? But like, so yeah, that being said, totally being faithful just matters. Yeah. It has an impact. Like when you are somebody in a world that is so inconsistent, that is so self-serving and you choose to be selfless and faithful and consistent, it just speaks volumes to people. Like, you know, this is on the youth pastor side of things. Like one of my metrics for success as a youth pastor one day is going to be the stories of students who while in the youth ministry or prior and we got to steward it, felt a call to ministry and went on and go on to pastor themselves. And looking and seeing in a room of students now, the fact that it is not just the students that we get to serve, 
who we are preaching to, but it is the students, the kids, the parents, the adults that these students are going to go on to serve. And you start to look and see, it's like, man, well, you're just, you know, you're just serving like 45, some kids, 50 kids, whatever it may be. No, 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 no. We can see the hundreds that are going to be behind them. So why do we do this? Because it matters. Because that faithfulness, that obedience, that that moment, you know, that kid, that kid who might forget my name, who might just look back one day and say, right. my youth pastor growing up, I kind of forget his name, that sort of a thing. But like, I always make a joke at youth that kids try to block my name out. But let's say they forget. But I hope and I pray that they remember some of the things that I consistently try to model for them. We consistently talk about. And again, it's like one of those things where it's like, well, like, you know, Again, it's like somebody might say like, well, Caleb, like you should take care of yourself. Caleb, you should take time off. Caleb, you should do this. Yes, those are true facts. Those are very true things. And I should make sure to take care of myself. At the end of the day, I have areas of margin. I know I can do that within. And guess what? There are areas that I would have to sacrifice in. It'd be me looking and saying, hey, um, I need to, you know, like right now I'm doing some schooling. Um, I work another part-time job. It's so me and Sierra are able to pay our bills, make ends meet, certain things like that. So at some point, it's going to mean me looking and saying, hey, for me to take a couple days off a week, I I need to not want to do a vacation in the summer. I need to uh, decide to cut spending in some of these areas. I it's, it's me looking and saying, I need to do that. It's not me looking and saying, I'm going to sacrifice the people I can influence. It's me saying, I'm going to sacrifice things that I don't need and I'm not going to let people be something I don't need. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Well, I think that like, this is kind of a side thing, but like, and I don't necessarily want to speak for you, but you, the fact is that because you're so plugged into community and you prioritize those people, you have lots of people that genuinely check in on you and yeah. see how you are doing. Like, like I do that. Like I ask you, how are you doing? And I actually mean, how are you doing? And you I always know? say terrible. <laughs> Yeah. And, and like, I think just having that community, honestly, I wonder how many times we say the word community in this podcast, we should tally it up sometime, but, uh, but that the people in your community, if you're plugged into that and it is a healthy community, they should be checking on you and seeing like even stuff like, like me and uh, my youth pastor or not youth pastor, um, worship pastor, Danny, like that, that we do have that agreement. Totally. That even though he knows that I'll tell him he does know that, but he still does check on me. You know what I mean? Like that has a lot of value. And I, th- I think that, um, having that system of people always checking on you, even if they're not necessarily like your volunteer leader, yeah. I think that's something volunteer leaders should do. Um, but like just everybody check on everybody and totally. everybody take care of everybody. Totally. Cause that moment of relationship is going to help somebody honestly, in some ways, like th- this will be my final, maybe two thoughts with that. Like for myself, when I have people reaching out to me and things like that, it helps me not get to a breaking point. Cause I can look and I can say, I got people behind me and you even have people then fighting for you. You know, you'll have that person that looks and says, Hey, like, what are you doing this week to chill? What are you doing this week to rest? And that sort of a thing. And like, 
I live life sometimes in the margins. Like it's like, how can I find these two, three hours? How can I find these like 40, 50 minutes, that sort of a thing. And like, that's not sustainable. And I recognize that, but like, I have people who make sure I'm doing that, you know, where they're looking and they're saying, what are you doing? How are you finding this time? And I have to like, kind of walk through it. And that helps me know, like, I can't, I couldn't just look at you and say, I'm just quitting all this stuff. Cause you'd look and be like, where'd this come from? Right. You'd be like, we've talked about this. We've been processing this. Right. Right. So I think that definitely is a huge part. And I also think that when you have people around you, it helps you to realize that like, let's say we're a matchstick, right? That whole idea. Like it helps us to realize sometimes that it isn't really that we're burnt down to the bottom. It's just that that top that initially ignites is burnt out. Like that moment that like you strike a match and like you have like whatever the stuff is on the top um, is burning and that sort of thing. Then it gets to the wood. Like sometimes people think when that has burnt, that initial like catalyst catalyst moment has burnt out, they're burnt out. No, you actually have a whole lot more that you actually could let burn before you're burnt out. And there's times that people will look and because they don't have that community perspective to realize, like for myself as a pastor, I might have moments that I look and I say, wow, I feel really burnt out. And I look and I'm like, oh, Pastor Rob's been doing this for 30 years. And it's like, I haven't even scratched the surface of the depth that that man has had to go through to be able to lead a church in a community through so many different seasons, so many different things. And that helps me recognize, look at the, look at his matchstick and say, man, I still have more within me. And so all in all, unless you got some final thoughts, no man, all in all then, I would just say like, I think as we're talking through this, we're not trying to dismiss people who feel burnout. No, not at all. But we hope to encourage you that if you're trying to fight against burnout, or maybe you're somebody who's been burnt out, or maybe you just chose to give up, not in a bad way, but you've chosen to give up in some ways on serving, on pouring out and that sort of a thing. Ways to combat that is have a community around you that's healthy and realize you have a purpose in what you're doing. That you're not just there to fill a volunteer schedule. You're not just there to be a butt in a seat. You're not just there to be like a ratio building presence within a youth ministry so that they have enough leaders to students or that sort of a thing. But realize that you bring a value that the Lord, the Holy Spirit wants to move through you to affect lives. And that when you have those moments of being burnt out and there might be seasons where you have to take a break and things like that, and that's healthy. But realize that it has to be made in the context of community, of you having people around you, of you having people that care about you genuinely and love you, who are helping build you up. And that then if you have to make that decision, you know you're making it because it is truly a healthy decision. It's not just you trying to get away from being stretched or that sort of a thing. You have a purpose. You have a purpose and you can help change people's lives. So realize that, walk with that passion. Sometimes you might just need to tell yourself, it just matters. I'm going to keep showing up and that sort of a thing. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Well, you guys, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conviction. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating, a review if you can. If you're listening on Spotify, maybe share it on your social media if you could. That'd be awesome just to help spread the news about the podcast. Maybe text it to a friend. And as always, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you could DM us and let us know maybe some thoughts you guys have about the conversation today. But we hope you guys are doing well. We appreciate you checking this out. We'll see you next week. See y'all.